Hi everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Life Bath podcast. I'm very excited and I can't wait for you to hear everything that's coming up. So thank you very much for clicking and listening. As this is the first episode, I thought I would let you know what you can expect in the coming weeks. So there'll be a brand new podcast every other week. So you'll get two a month to listen to and enjoy. They'll be released every other Sunday at 7pm, just in time for your Sunday chill time or maybe your morning commute. So I better tell you a little bit about me. I'm Kelly and I've been running the Life Bath blog since 2015. I loved the blog, but I've never been great at spelling and grammar and writing, (laughs) which kind of are the fundamentals of uh, having a blog, which just meant I used to put it off and put it off. And when I did write a post, it was great and I loved it, but it would just take me a long time. And then I realised that I was just really good at talking and chatting. Well, I say I just realised, I think anyone that's ever known me has known that I've been good at talking and chatting since I was a baby. So I thought, why not just sit in front of a microphone and record it and chat to people with amazing stories? I did think about doing YouTube videos for a while, but with video, you actually have to wash your hair and be semi-presentable and no one's got time for that. I also want to mention that the Life Bath podcast has a sponsor. Doesn't that sound very grown up and professional? The Relish Coffee Company and Relish Cafe in Whitley Bay have kindly sponsored the series and I'm absolutely over the moon because it's been mine and my husband's favourite coffee place for quite a while now. The coffee shop is so friendly and lovely and it's dog friendly so that's why we love it. And they also sell coffee grounds that you can use at home which they roast themselves and it's, it's all put together themselves which is just fantastic. You can purchase the coffee in the coffee shop or you can actually purchase it online as well so just search Relish Coffee and it'll come up. So thank you again to those guys. Right, let's get on to my first guest. So Chloe from the blog New Girl in Tune has been a good friend of mine for years now. And I've admired her blog since before I met her and definitely since I've I've got to know her. She's a real inspiration and I'm so lucky that she agreed to be my first guinea pig. I mean, guest. And on this week's episode, we discuss everything from blogging to coping with seasonal affective disorder, weight loss, and even a boy band fetish. It'll all become clearer, so keep listening and enjoy. Well, hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for joining me. Um, So I've got Chloe here today. Um, from uh, New Girl in Tune, and uh, welcome to the very first uh, The Life Bath podcast. <gasps> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's so scary. <laughs> so now I wasn't scared until you told me we might try and have a photo taken, and then I realised I hadn't washed my hair. <laughs> yeah, and well, I started getting ready, and then I just thought, mm, maybe we'll do the photo another day. Yeah. I think I've already got photos of, of us two as well. Anyway, yeah, I'm so sure we can work something out. Yeah. No, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for being uh, the first person on the podcast. It's really exciting. So, um, so yeah, so it was just to, to have a chat with you today and sort of find out all about your life and, and everything that, that kind of brought you to blogging and um, previous to blogging. So um, a good starting point would just to be sort of tell us about your blog and, and what it is that you do. Um, I think I've always had a passion for writing. So when I was a kid, I was one of those kids who took an exercise book into the playground and used to sit in the corner and write stories. So all of my friends would be playing and I'd be in the corner on my own writing stories. So <laughs> I think I've always just loved writing. Yeah. And then, you know, when MySpace was big, I used to write, I suppose, what it was, a blog then. But I think it was before I even knew what a blog was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I've always kind of 
ever since I've sort of had the internet, I have written online just without realising that what I was writing was a blog. Yeah. And then I think, I think blogs kind of come from people's passions. I think when you're really passionate about something, that's kind of how a blog tends to be born. And so when I first came up to the Northeast, because you know, I've sort of come from down South originally, when I first came up to the Northeast, I just loved it so much up here. Um, I was so surprised by the um, sort of amazing architecture and the coast and um, what have you. And I was just so passionate about it. And I didn't want to bore my family and friends wittering on and on and on about how much I love the Northeast. <laughs> and I think that's the kind of thing that creates a blog, you know, wanting to to share something with people. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was born, really, just from wanting to share without boring everyone else, really. Yeah. So you started um, New Girl in Tune when you first moved up to Newcastle. So you didn't have any other sort of blogs or platforms before then. It was just... You- the normal writing that I you did, did i had i did kind of um i i was um writing like a weight loss blog for a little bit right so i kind of got into it from that and then when i moved up here i decided i didn't want to write about weight loss anymore mm-hmm. and then when i moved up here and realized that sort of my passion was writing about the northeast so and uh, how did you come up with the name my now husband did actually i was <laughs> sitting there for ages trying to work out a name and you know it's really hard to come up with a name for a blog like you'd think it would be easy but it really isn't and i just i i was really stumped like i had absolutely no idea what i wanted to call it and simon was the one that came up with new girl in tune so it's all down to him <laughs> and how has the blog evolved since since the beginning i think if you go back and sort of see my early blogs i was very much trying to be a blogger i think i was writing as a blogger and kind of writing in a way that you you could kind of expect bloggers to write in a way in a way you're kind of copying what you've read before i think and then after a while i kind of realized who my audience was and i thought i need to be writing this for local people or people who want to visit the northeast and forget that it is a blog so I try and sort of view it more as like a guide now, more as a more of a website, a guide, somewhere for people to go to sort of discover more about the Northeast. So try not to think about it as a blog. Yeah. And I think if you look at more recent posts compared to those early posts, yeah, they're completely different. Yeah. What do you love about blogging? What what is the one thing that you absolutely love about uh, about having a blog? Um, I think the most exciting thing it, it's when you find somewhere new that is so exciting that you get really excited about sharing it. So, you know, if we go to a little seaside town we've never been to before and we absolutely love it and we have an amazing day and we've taken some beautiful pictures and we've had some great food and I just know that everyone's going to want to hear about it. And then when I come back and write it, that for me is the point where you're like, you know, wow, this is exciting. And I think when you push it out and you see that it's doing really, really well, I think that that's kind of the best part about blogging when you've written something you're passionate about and it's also received really well yeah how is it received sort of your followers how interactive are are your followers um there's i mean compared to like you know these massive bloggers like zoella and stuff i'm very much a small fish in a very large ocean but my followers are just the nicest nicest people like you know i chat to them all day on and off on Instagram and um, sort of Facebook and what have you. You know, I'm in a very fortunate position in that, for example, me and my husband have just booked a trip to New York and I've got, you know, a platform, I've got a Facebook page where I can just go on and say 
to my followers, oh, you know, I booked New York, I don't want any hotel recommendations. And immediately I'll get so many comments from people with like where to stay and stuff. And just a really nice online community, really, that yeah. is kind of built up around my blog, which is really nice. Yeah. And what is your biggest achievement so far with, with the blog? Um, well, I had a post last year, which was the, I think it was the best breakfasts in the Northeast. And that hit 10,000 views which was amazing. That's the biggest amount of page views I've had so far. And that was pretty special. And then I did some work last summer with Northumberland County Council um, promoting Great Northumberland. I got to prance around the Northumbrian countryside, basically just exploring. And we made a few sort of mini videos for their website. And it was just, it's just nice, you know, when someone involves you in something that you're actually genuinely passionate about. And where do you see the, the future of, of your blog or blogging in general? Um, kind of what's your your opinions on, on where you think it's going? Yeah, I think blogging has changed so much just in the small amount of time that I've been doing it. So I, t- I think like particularly for this year when I was sitting down thinking about my content for the year and thinking about how I'm going to change things because I think... I think people are reading blogs in a different way to how they were before. So I think, you know the world's moving so fast now is ever evolving and people don't have the time always to sit down and and read something that's lengthy yeah i think now people are all about punchy captions and you know looking at nice photographs and what have you so i tend to find that blog posts on things like you know top 10 places for burgers and things like that do far better now than me going to one restaurant and reviewing you know writing a whole thing about a burger yeah so I think things like that now tend to perform better on Facebook. So I think for me, the future for blogging is kind of almost creeping towards sort of what I'd call microblogging. Yeah. So people sharing things on platforms like Instagram and Facebook, you know, sharing some pictures and giving you all the information you need but in a very condensed way, sort of saying, you know, I went here and, and it was great and this is what we spent and it's family friendly and, you know, the gin's really good and what yeah. have you rather than, you know, a whole story about the whole thing. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that, because I think it, you're right, the the blogging of, of sitting down and reading a full blog post, um, people want that kind of there and then, and, and they want mm. the top tens. And, and definitely when I'm reading, I want to find out something. I want a, a kind of top ten list of um, best places to go for yeah. dinner with dogs or yeah. like things like that. And you're kind of, and you're looking at that, and, and definitely Instagram has is, is grown dramatically um to be a a, a micro blogging site rather than just somewhere that people share the photographs so mm. I mean, especially with um instagram stories which i know you do a lot of instagram stories which uh, yes. when you when you do things so so what's different about you uh doing instagram stories to sitting sort of writing on your blog oh god i love instagram stories i'm like obsessed <laughs> i don't know i don't know why i love it so much but it's it's funny like I'm not even I full-on talk to camera when I'm doing Instagram stories so I pretty much share my whole day and I will walk down the street recording myself talking yeah to the point where um someone said to me that their boyfriend calls me the girl that walks down Northumberland street talking to herself on her phone (laughs) you know you'd think that most people would be so embarrassed by that I think Simon's probably embarrassed but for some reason I'm not yeah you become oblivious to it really don't you yeah kind of yeah. yeah But and I love your Instagram stories though, because whenever I go on and because you only do it 
for kind of specific things. It's not like yeah. a daily um, kind of Instagram story. So I know when you pop up, it's because you're doing something that day. And it's usually like when I'm still in bed and you've been up for like four hours, like off <laughs> yeah. doing something. But uh, I'll always click on it. And if I can't hear the sound, like if I'm doing something and I ha- haven't got the sound on, I'll like, I'll come off it straight away and be like, no, no, I need to, I need to save that to when I've got some sound and I can sit and properly listen to it. I think wasn't there a day when we did stories somewhere and I think you were still in bed and then you were like, oh, They've gone here today. That looks good. And I think you basically spent the whole day following us, yeah. but like four or five hours behind. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Got out of bed and I was, uh, looked at your stories. I think you were in uh, Walk With or something. Yeah. Walk, walk, walk With Castle. Yeah. And I said to Tom, I was like, let's go to Walk With today. And then, yeah, we were about three hours behind you of uh, kind of me copying your stories of going, right, where is she? Right. Like, oh, that looks good. Yeah, we'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it's all about, isn't it? And that's kind of what your followers will, will be doing. And that's what kind of the the sort of huge influencers and that's that's why microblogging is what it is is because yeah. people like to see that and they and they want to follow and go oh that's a good idea um instead of having it it's, it's kind of for me it's like laziness of like someone else can tell me that it's good yeah and then it's like all right that's fine i'll uh i'll go there instead of having to sort of do any research myself it still blows my mind sometimes when people actually go and do stuff that we've done so I think someone shared a photo on Instagram over the weekend and tagged me and they'd visited the fish shack in Amble where we'd just been. And um, I replied and went, oh, you know, really nice photo. I hope you like the food. And she was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we were going to go to Tynemouth. And then, you know, we saw that you'd been to the fish shack in Amble and it looked really great. So we changed our plans. And I just think, you know, it's, cra- it's, it's crazy. Like, the, yeah. you know, I I'd, I'd never set out to influence. I'm saying that with inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anyone, I think I prefer to see myself as inspiring people rather than influencing them I think it's a much nicer word but yeah yeah, it just blows my mind sometimes that people you know go out and do things that we've done but it's so nice yeah definitely and do you get a lot of interaction on Instagram where people will will reply to your videos and yeah I mean there's been moments like last year my grandma passed away and I didn't mention it much in stories I think I've I've vaguely touched on it and I had so many messages from people and then um Earlier this year, I was suffering quite badly from SAD, um, sort of extreme winter blues, as you will. And I didn't mean to, but I ended up like crying on my Instagram stories. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> um, but it's real, isn't it? Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's not just um, beautiful photos and kind of days out. You, you've got to have that ele- element of reality that if you're not feeling great, but you are doing Instagram stories, then you, you, you're being honest with with yeah. your following as well and, and people will see that and, and people that are also feeling that will see mm. that, that I think Instagram gets such a bad reputation for especially these these you know huge bloggers and Instagram stars who make you know create these perfect pictures and they look like you know all they're doing is prancing around the countryside in beautiful dresses yeah. and eating mammoth breakfasts in beautiful hotel bedrooms and what have you and you know that's not real life yeah and the thing if you you know look at my feed Yes, it's all things that we've done, but I'm never sharing it in real time. So, you know, if you were to believe my Instagram feed, you'd think that every day we were out in Northumberland eating mammoth breakfast and gorging ourselves on cake. Yeah. And we're not. Yeah. (laughs) And I think stories is nice because it is more of a real life, I think. And so Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when you do share some some more vulnerable moments, I think it just helps you to connect with people more. Yeah, definitely. And I've just had so many lovely messages from people and people wanting to lend me their Lumi lights and stuff, you know, so I could try them out. And 
you know, people I've never met before saying, you know, if you ever want to go for, a, you know, this is a bit weird, but if you ever want to meet for a coffee, I mean, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing, well, I, I know that from moving to a new city and, and starting the blog that it made you make friends with, with people in the Northeast and other bloggers and, and mm. you've got um a lot of friends i mean we met through through blogging mm-hmm. um how's that how's that been i'm just so thankful that i had blogging because <laughs> when i first moved to the northeast i knew nobody and i remember i you know i sort of started my office job and i wasn't really clicking with anyone there and i think i've probably been here for a month and i remember going home and crying and saying to simon you know i can't do this i'm the kind of girl that needs girlfriends and I'd left London where I was living and I'd had so many great friends and you know they'd said to me you're moving to Newcastle Geordies are so friendly you'll make so many friends and I think when I first got to the city and I didn't immediately experience that through my job I felt so lost and I thought you know as much as I love Simon I can't spend every day with him like I need friends and so I think my you know I'd, I'd started the blog the week that I'd moved here and I think an event had come up and um, Simon was like, you know, you should go. And I was absolutely petrified. I was so, so scared. I mean, imagine walking into a room full of people who already know each other, who in your eyes are already established bloggers, people that you've probably actually been following their blogs, you know, for a fair few months anyway. So it's so intimidating. And I walked into this blogging event. I think it was at the Malmaison in Newcastle. And I just sat on a sofa, like, on my own for ages. And um, Rachel Kershaw, who writes Life in Geordie Land, who I'm sure lots of people know, came over and spoke to me. And I've said this to her so many times, but I am so, so thankful to her. And I will never, ever, ever forget that. That she, I mean, that's the kind of person she is. She's a lovely girl. And the fact that she came over and sat down and spoke to me. And I think that improved my confidence so much. Yeah. And eventually, sort of through going to blogging events, I sort of got to know people and you know, made a nice network of friends. And now I think all the friends I've met through blogging, I kind of don't even see them as like blogging friends anymore. Like they're yeah. real they're real friends. And if I hadn't had the blog, as a grown up moving to a new city, I don't really know. I think I would have struggled to make friends. It would have been difficult. Yeah, because it, it, it is a, a real community. Because I, I had that when I first started my blog and it was just a hobby. It wasn't, it, it's nothing, anything big, but then you do get invited to, to events. And that's kind of the, the first time I met you and, um, Sam from, um, Northeast Family Fun and, uh, Katie, uh, Katie Jane online. And it was just so nice to have people that just wanted to talk to you because yeah. as an adult, you don't make friends the same way as you do when you're kind of a teen or you're at school or even university where people are kind of thrown together and you become friends. Whereas as an adult, you kind of have your old friends that you've always had or you have work friends that you've made through work. But it was nice to have that sort of different environment where you you started making sort of genuine friends. So um, it's a a really nice community in in that respect. I think it's nice as well as an adult to make your own adult friends. I was talking about this with a friend a few weeks ago and, you know, she was saying that mostly she hangs out with her old school friends and they are still really good friends, but you know, they formed friendships, you know, back when they were teenagers and now they're in their 30s and they've, you know, changed completely as people. But you end up quite often still being friends with these people kind of out of nostalgia and and what have you. And actually, you know, making friends as an adult with people you connect with now is actually really important. And I think, you know, it's nice if you have some kind of hobby or passion and you can meet people through that. Yeah, definitely. 
So if we go all the way back to the beginning, um, <laughs> so um, you're originally from uh, Norwich, is that yes. right? So what is what is Norwich like? It's, it's Norwich is quite like the northeast in a way. So it's on the east side of the country, literally just five hours south from Newcastle. So I've always felt like it's quite similar in that, you know, it's a small city, a small community that's surrounded by you know, beautiful countryside and coastline. So maybe that's why I've always felt at home in the Northeast, because in some ways it's quite similar. Mm -hmm. Just Southern. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit further down. Just talk different, that's it. (laughs) Yes, very different. (laughs) And then sort of growing up, you've documented on your blog quite a bit, um, kind of your struggle with with weight and weight loss. Uh, So how was that sort of growing up and... um, the feeling of 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 how you felt then and and when you decided to 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 lose weight um it's I grew up overweight I think I was pretty much overweight my whole life I think I was aware of it my whole life so when I was you know a young child growing into my teens I more or less gained a stone of weight for my age so you know when I was you know 15 I was 15 stone when I was 16 I was 16 stone and I think it was very much always a part of me. Mm-hmm. And I think I always just thought I was always going to be that way. And it sounds it sounds mad, but I used to literally dream about waking up and being slim. And I think it's funny. I think when you let something like that completely control you, you start to believe that the only way you can be happy is, is to lose weight. Yeah. Which, you know, looking back now is quite crazy, but you almost feel like any problems you have would not exist if you lost weight. So I think my whole life, I kind of was aware that maybe I wanted to lose weight, but then, you know, it's just, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do, you know? Yeah. And I think when, you know, when you've got some pressures of, you know, maybe family members sort of saying, you know, you know, maybe, you know, diabetes runs in the family, maybe you start thinking about losing weight. And I think, you know, when people are not, no one ever like told me to or were horrible about it, but you it's kind of one of those things you need to decide to do for yourself. Yeah. And so for years I'd make excuses and I'd, you know, see someone in the street and think, you know, well, I'm not as big as them. I think it's, it's funny. Like, I think as a larger person, you kind of, you sort of notice other people and, you know, I think you kind of see yourself a certain size and then look at other people almost to sizes rather than people. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to explain, but, um, yeah, I think I was always aware that I wanted to lose weight and that I was different to everyone else, but it just took a long time for it to sort of click in my head. And I think for a long time, I just thought I was always going to be that way. Yeah. I think for me, I let it define me. I think some people, you know, they're overweight, but they're, you know, they're happy with it and they're fine with it. They embrace it. And I never, ever ever had that yeah because that's what it's about isn't it it's about it's your body when people say that um they they feel like they need to lose weight or they want to lose weight it's it has to be your own choice of, of your body so it doesn't matter if people are overweight and they're happy they should never be told that they need to yeah. lose weight because they love their body and and they accept accept their body yeah but when you feel unhappy with it and you know that you need to to change yeah. then then that is what's right for right for you so I think when it's taken over your life and i think it's you know everything that happens in life you're almost blaming on it so you know like you're growing up and a boy doesn't fancy you is is not because you know to you it, the reason he doesn't fancy you is because you're overweight which you know thinking now you're like well i don't know that's true but yeah. 
you know, teenage Chloe certainly thought that was the case. Yeah. And, you know, if I never achieved something or did something I wanted to do in my head, it's because I was overweight. And Mm -hmm. so I just literally let it take over everything, really. And what was this sort of switch in your head that that finally made you make the decision to to do something properly about it? I think it it was loads of little things all coming together, I think. So... So this sounds really bad and everyone always says you should never ever lose weight for someone else and it's completely true but I sort of got to my late 20s and you know there was a guy that I liked and in my head I thought he didn't like me because of the way I looked you know we got on so well we were really good friends and all our other friends were like you know why aren't you together you spend all your time together you know we'd basically hang out as boyfriend and girlfriend but we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend and in my head the reason he would not make that extra little bit of commitment was because of my weight and I I don't you know which is yeah he insisted that wasn't the reason it probably wasn't the reason (laughs) but in my head that was why so I think in a way I lost weight for him (laughs) which is so bad you should not you just should not do that that's really awful awful thing to confess so I mean it was that Also, I think it got to the point where it had to stop. You know, I was struggling to walk a little bit. So I was living in London at the time and I was struggling to walk from my street to the tube, which was like a, you know, three, four minute walk. And that was taken out of me. Yeah. The bottoms of my feet were hurting because I had so much weight piled onto them. And I was just feeling really like sluggish and just fed up and kind of in self-destruct mode. You know, I'd spend my evenings gorging myself on family chocolate bars in private, you know, and then like, you know, crying myself to sleep. And that's just, that's a horrible way to live. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think sometimes in life you have something where you you feel like a certain moment's going to be what changes you. And for me, it was like my 30th birthday in that I had a 30th birthday with a joint 30th birthday with my friend. And I spent ages, you know, putting together this outfit and I thought I looked great and then I saw the photographs and I was so shocked by like how big I looked and just how unhappy I looked as well. I mean, it wasn't even the fact I was big. I think the fact that I just looked really uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think it was those pictures that made me think, wow, hang on a minute. Yeah. So that was in the March and it still took me a further two months to pluck up the courage to actually do something about it. And I think I knew that I couldn't do it on my own because I had no idea what to do. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've never tried to lose weight before, you always think, oh, what am I going to do? Like eat lettuce leaves and jog. You just, you haven't got a clue what what you're doing. And so I decided to do Weight Watchers. And walking into that Weight Watchers meeting was absolutely terrifying. (laughs) I never, I hadn't weighed myself in years. And I went up to this room and I had to get onto the scales and it was horrible. It was just so embarrassing. And I didn't want to look at the number. I don't know. I didn't have any clue what I weighed. I didn't really want to know. But obviously I had to. And I was um, 19 and a half stone. Right. And I went back to my desk at work and cried. <laughs> I, was, I do a lot of crying. <laughs> I'm a very emotional person. Um, yeah, that was a real shock. And I just thought, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. do this. And I think for whatever reason, it just clicked with me. And I just absolutely loved following the program. I think I'm quite geeky. Sometimes if I set myself a challenge and, you know, I really got into the whole point counting thing and what have you. And 
I don't know, it just clicked. It just clicked. And I just, every, every week I was losing weight. Like I never cheated. I never went off plan. I just stuck to it and loved it. And it took a good long time for, you know, anyone to even notice a difference. Yeah. You know, there were points where you kind of wanted to give up. So I think my sister was getting married and we're going to try on bridesmaid dresses. And I think she wanted to get them from somewhere like, I'm going to say somewhere like Coast. I think it was somewhere that only went up to a size 18. And I just managed to slim into a size 16. And I was like, wow, you know, I'm going to try on these dresses. I'm going to get into this dress. And I took an 18 and a 16 into the changing room. And I couldn't get either of those dresses on. And at that point, I was, that was probably the only point during the whole process where I really, really wanted to quit. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing that makes it so hard to carry on going. So you're like, why am I doing this? I've just done all this work and I can't, still can't get into this dress. That's the that's the worst, like clothes shopping and things like that yeah. are, the, are the worst. You're just like so vulnerable stood in that changing room kind of yeah. with the awful lights and trying to try clothes on. And you just think, and sizes, is it, does it does it matter what the size is? Like the amount mm. of times that I've tried something on and, and been like, uh, oh, the 10 doesn't fit. Oh, I'm, I'm refusing to buy a 12. When if I put the 12 on, it would look lovely and it would be absolutely fine. But in my head, I'm just like, no, no, I can't be a size 12. And it's it's like, it's all just numbers. It's just kind yeah. of like, and, and we let ourselves kind of get so head up about it and, and upset about kind of the, the, the way we look. And, and whereas you'd probably had such a huge achievement to get down to a size 16 yeah. um, for, at that point. But but yeah, you just kind of, you beat yourself up even, even further, really, don't you? And it's funny as well, because like you never... You kind of never even open your eyes and, and look at other people and what, you know, how they look either. So when I was very overweight, I used to have this thing in my head where I thought that anyone who was like a size 10, 12, 14, 16 had perfect bodies. And the reason really I didn't... Don't. No. <laughs> no. And I remember going into it, I think, I don't know, I think the more weight I lost, kind of the more of a reality check I had. And I remember being in a changing room at the gym and looking around the changing rooms, there were these women and they were all different sizes and, you know... Some of them were quite slim, but actually they still had tummies and lumpy bits and, you know, psyche skin in places. And that was literally the first time I realized that, you know, people come in all shapes and sizes and that it doesn't actually matter what's on the scales or what your dress size is. Yeah. Everyone has lumps and bumps and tummies. I just literally never realized it before. Yeah, exactly. And, and And it's just about the way that you feel um that that that's it so like when you're in that changing room and and you kind of felt like you wanted to to give up you didn't and you in because you knew that it would it would make you feel better by carrying on yeah and i think i think shortly after that was when people sort of first started noticing and when you've got that kick of people going yeah the comments wow you know that's what kind of keeps you going and also I'd been doing it for a few months and I hadn't been home to Norwich to sort of see my family and I hadn't told them I was losing weight and it was the Christmas time and my dad was waiting for me in Norwich station and I got off the train from London and um he literally walked right past me because he didn't recognize me wow. <laughs> and I went up to him and he, I remember he just went bloody hell bloody hell he was just like shouting in the middle of the station he was just like you just couldn't believe it and i think i'm so glad that i never told them in advance because you know that was a real yeah motivation as well to carry on going yeah definitely and and what was that feeling when you actually hit your your goal weight with kind of a, did you have a, a number in mind or was it just yeah lit- i was just trying to get to my healthy weight like i think you know 
BMI is a, I think it's a bit of a stupid thing it's personally. Horrendous. I think people shouldn't be obsessed with scales and numbers yeah. and what have you. And I know that's a stupid thing for me to say from, you know, going from where I've come from and what have you. But yeah, I think I just wanted to, I just wanted to be healthy and, you know, not have pains in my feet and to, you know, feel good about myself. And so when I got to goal, it, yeah, it was incredible. I just couldn't believe I'd done it. Yeah. Really couldn't. Yeah. It's a, it's a massive achievement. And how long is it that you've kept the weight off? So I got to my goal and I think it was, was it 2011 or 2012? So it's been a good few years now. It's been what? I can't do maths. Six or seven years. Wow. I Which mean, is a, a massive achievement in itself that it's not a yo-yo diet. It wasn't kind of, I'm going to do a quick six-week plan and, and lose a load of weight and then go back to eating properly. It was a, mm. a kind of full process that, that has allowed you to, to keep the weight off. And I'm guessing that's not been easy. Uh, no. And the, there's a lot of temptations to to kind of go back to old habits and things. But how have you kind of felt going going through that process? It is hard. And I think, you know, I get a lot of people looking at my Instagram thinking that all I do all day is eat cake. And I get a lot of comments on how are you so slim and all you ever do is eat cake. And it's like, well, no, I really don't just eat cake all the time, <laughs> obviously. I, Which would be very nice to just eat cake all the time. <laughs> but um, no, I have to work very hard. I think, you know, when you've had a weight problem, you always have those little demons in you. Mm-hmm. I have to fight myself every day. I'm a nightmare around a wedding buffet or a christening buffet or biscuits in the office kitchen. It's so hard because if I have one biscuit, I can't just have one biscuit. You know, I, I want to go back and back and back and back. So yeah, those, those kind of things are really hard. Blogging's quite hard. You know, we're fortunate we get to go to nice events. Sometimes there'll be people with trays of food walking around and I'd be lying if I said that I don't ever eat because I do eat all of the food off the trays. You know, it's it, it's hard. It's a it's a daily, daily battle. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and it is a struggle and I, I'm the same kind of, I've never found that thing that that'll make me just I'm up and down kind of always up and down and and it's it's nice to see stories and you can see those stories that people have kept the weight off and and kind of what they do and and it's nice that you don't you don't preach about it you've just done it for you and it's not kind of well this is how I lost weight and these are all my weight loss tips it's it's just you did it for you and you did it to make you feel fantastic and you also know that that when people are plus size it's fantastic if they're if they're happy with the way that with the way that they are yeah I wish that there'd been more sort of positive plus size role models around when I was younger like I've seen a lot of sort of plus size particularly like bloggers now who are so beautiful and so comfortable in their own skin and just doing their thing and I never had anyone like that to look up to yeah I just felt very alone I think back when I was a teenager there weren't nice clothes for plus size women to wear and so you know going to the school disco I had nothing to wear you know, I, I'd have to almost like go to M&S and, you know, buy stuff that my mum would wear. Was, yeah. You know, I didn't really have anyone to aspire to be or to look up to. And I wonder if, I think life would have been incredibly, incredibly different if I was growing up now overweight. Maybe I would have been completely happy and just happy the way that I was. Yeah. Would have saved myself a lot of heartache probably. <laughs> yeah. One good thing did come out of joining Weight Watchers though. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> What is your uh, your little story of uh, romance with Weight Watchers? Yeah, I'm one of these people, I just know, I always believe that everything in life happens for a reason. And 
I always feel like every choice I've made in life has kind of led me to the next thing. And so when I joined Weight Watchers, I was writing a blog on the Weight Watchers website. So if you're a member of Weight Watchers, you could use the online communities. There were forums and then you could sort of write your own blog. And so I started writing a blog about my weight loss, probably more or less from the beginning. And then, um, you know, you kind of made friends and people would comment. And there was this... um, guy called Simon who used to comment quite a lot and he'd comment on my blog and I'd comment on his blog and then um I think I think we were chatting in the forums one day and he says now that he pur- purposely left me a trap and I fell into it and he, <laughs> he start, I think he said like oh does anyone want to like become Facebook friends kind of thing and he said he literally just said that to get me to like become Facebook friends with him bless I know so I, I stupidly <laughs> fell into his trap <laughs> Like he had all the power. And, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and we just sort of started chatting on Facebook Messenger and realized that we had like a lot, you know, loads more in common. We were both into like, you know, geeky American sci-fi TV shows and that kind of thing. And we just used to talk every day, which is great because if I go, if I scroll back from my Facebook Messenger, I can still see all of those chats from like 2011 when i first met simon oh that's so he hates nice. it because i will always say to him um 2011 simon said that he loves doing this <laughs> so you know <laughs> he was trying to impress yeah. yeah i do that yeah yeah i do that so most people if you go on a first date and you know you're either, you know they're pretending that they love travel and they want to do this and they want to do that you know you don't actually have the evidence whereas i do <laughs> I can say 2011 Simon loves going outside on adventures, whereas the reality is that Simon does not like doing that. Um, so yeah, we started chatting, ridiculous lengthy mess, you know, just life stories exchanged through Facebook Messenger, basically. And then I think eventually we started talking on the phone. And then um, one day he said, um, oh, I'm going to come to London, I'm going to come and meet you. And it was one of those weird conversations where it's like, is this a date or is this like friends meeting up? And he was like, well, I, mean, I think it might be a date if you want it to be a date. It was oh. like awkwardly awkward. <laughs> and it's so funny because when I think back to it now, and I think if a friend came to me and said that some guy they'd met on the internet was doing like a, you know, a nine hour National Express coach journey to take them on a date, I'd probably be a bit like, he sounds a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit odd. It's a little bit odd. A little bit odd. No, he caught the National Express coach from Newcastle where he was living all the way down to London to meet me for a few hours and then got the coach back on the same day. <gasps> no, oh, that's dedication there. I know, I know. And yeah, we met at Victoria Station and I was really shy and awkward and he loves to tell people how I wouldn't look at him for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, f- I mean, it's awkward enough meeting someone from the internet, but when you know you're on a non-date date, it's yeah. very strange. <laughs> but you obviously hit it off. Yes, we did, we did. And so I think I hadn't quite got to my goal weight then. So I was actually um, sort of with him when I hit my goal weight. And it's weird, like we were in a, like a long distance relationship for a year. So um, we we used to meet in York quite a bit or then I'd come up here and then he'd come down to London and we'd see each other every now and again. And then it kind of gets to the point where you have to kind of make a big, bold, dramatic decision because you can't carry on like that forever. It's tiring. Yeah. And for a long, long time, Simon was going to move down to London. Because when I first met him, I was very much like, I would not leave London for anyone. You know, I'd packed up my little life in Norwich. I was loving London. You know, I was kind of, you know, had made loads of friends and like 
the London living life is amazing. You know, you go out for after work and you have yeah. loads of drinks and you go to the theatre whenever you like. And I was not going to leave that for anyone. And then I sort of started coming up to the northeast, spending time in Newcastle. And I don't know, I had this like joke with him, like, did I fall in love with you or did I fall in love with Newcastle? <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> Um, we'll never know we'll never know we'll never know probably Newcastle probably (laughs) Um, I think we had this conversation one day where I just said to him like I just I I think I want to move to the northeast because I'd just fallen for it so hard that whenever I came up to visit for a weekend we'd be cramming so much into a weekend I remember being like right you know, I'm desperate to see Tynemouth and then I want to walk to Whitley Bay and, and then I have to have fish and chips here and I want to go to Jesmondine House and we'd like do all of this stuff in one weekend because I felt absolutely devastated at the thought of never being able to come back to the Northeast ever again. Yeah. And I'd be saying to him, you know, when you move to London, please, please tell me we're going to like come back up to Newcastle sometimes. And, and then one day I just clicked and I thought, you know, what? why are you moving to London when I love Newcastle so much? So basically just decided that I'd move up here. So it was about... We've been together for about a year. Right. So it's still a, a big decision after a year of knowing someone and yeah. not kind of knowing them every single day of a kind of that that sort of ad hoc uh, sort of seeing each other. How did you acclimatise to that? Sort of, did you move in together straight away um, or did you kind of live separately in the northeast? No, no, we moved in together. <laughs> it's one of those things, isn't it? I think it's scary enough, like moving in with a boyfriend for the first time after only a year together but to pack up your life and move to a strange city on top of that it was very risky a little bit bold <laughs> i guess we both knew it was the right decision because we're lucky it worked yeah so we were we moved into a tiny little flat in gateshead where we were completely on top of each other we had no space to escape each other if we had been annoying each other there was nowhere to go Obviously, back then, I didn't have any friends. So we were spending our whole lives living in each other's pockets. Yeah. And yeah, it could have gone very wrong. But, but it, it went very right. Yes. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so you got married in 2016? Yes. Was it the end of uh, 2016? Yes. So how did um, the wedding process go with, with blogging? Did you, did anything kind of help you with being a blogger, with trying to do the, the whole planning of the wedding? Um. No, not really. I mean, I didn't want to like start, you know, promote, you know, talking too much about wedding stuff on the blog. I was like trying to keep it very, very separate. Um, You know, I didn't use any contacts or anything like that. I think that, no, I never would have done that. Um, (laughs) Would have been a bit weird. Um, So no, it was just, it was just a completely separate process really. But I knew that I wanted to get married in the Northeast. You know, I think traditionally, usually people get married where the bride's from but I mean first of all planning a wedding down in Norwich when we live up in the northeast would have been tricky and then you know being so in love with the northeast I just wanted all of my family to come up here and I thought if this is the only chance I'm gonna get to get literally everyone up here you know this is the perfect opportunity yeah and I think I almost saw my wedding as a little bit of a showcase for how amazing the northeast is as well as getting married (laughs) you know I my cake was made by pet lamb patisserie who I love and I had to stop myself on my wedding day, you know, telling everyone, oh, this is a cake from Pet Lamb. They're in the Granger market. And I thought, no, Chloe, no one wants to hear about this. Like, <laughs> Just promote and everything about the Northeast. Yeah, literally. And... Like, the Northeast is amazing. You look at these amazing cakes we have. You know? <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, yeah. Um, how did you find the whole wedding planning process? I loved it. 
you know, my sister um, was saying to me that I'd hate wedding planning, but I absolutely loved it. Just absolutely thrived on it. I don't know, I don't know what it was, but you know, looking around venues, I loved meeting people. I think I think that's the thing, like just meeting amazing people in the northeast. I mean, that's my passion. So yeah, getting to to chat about the northeast with people like photographers and you know, cake people, and it was it was just absolutely in my element. I really wish I dragged the process out longer and just met even more people, but. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy the wedding planning process myself. <laughs> most, most people don't. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, um, it wasn't that it was stressful. It was just kind of, you've got to make so many decisions all the time. And it was like, looking back now, there is lots of elements to like my wedding day that I would I would want to change. Um, not that I regret it or think, oh, that's awful. I wish I hadn't done that. Just kind of when you've been through that process, you just think, oh, well, I wish I'd made this decision or made that decision. Is there anything about your wedding that you kind of felt like you wanted to change? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone always feels like that when they look back. I think it's weird. I think it's only been a couple of years, but already, you know, my friendships have changed a lot. There's people that I wish that I'd invited that, you know, that I'm really close with now that I didn't know at the time. And I think that's the thing when you move to a new city, your friendships are constantly evolving. Yeah. So I definitely feel quite sad that some people didn't get to come. Um, I think you came to the whole day, didn't you? But I did, yeah, last minute because we oh, someone had pulled out. <laughs> yeah, someone had pulled out. But we we, we would kind of at the, the start of our sort of friendship then. Yeah. Um, because I'd got married in the, the June previous, and we and that's exactly the same for me. Is that now the amount of people that are in my life now that I would love to have been there. Like you and Simon would have been, would have been there the whole day, but we were at that kind of start. Yeah. And in the June, if I'd said, do you want to come to my wedding? You probably would have been like, why is this crazy girl that I've met at a couple <laughs> of events want me to come to her wedding? Oh, I would have been up for it. <laughs> I love weddings. I would have been there. <laughs> yeah. But by the September, we had like, had that friendship and you had a, a spare space when someone hadn't uh, dropped out and it was lovely for me to be able to, to come to that and, and experience that with you. Um, but yeah, it is, it's kind of, it's funny as, as you get older and, and your relationships evolve of kind of the different, the people and kind of... I want to do it all again yeah. <laughs> just to have another big party. So it's like, can we renew our vows after like three years? Is I think that, as well, is that like acceptable? you kind of listen to a lot of people's advice and everyone kept saying to me like, well, you know, on your wedding day, you'll never get to see Simon. And that made me think, well, I will get to see Simon. <laughs> so, you know, we actually did quite a lot together on our wedding day. We actually sat down and had some of the buffet in the evening. So everyone had said, you won't see your husband, you won't eat your buffet which basically meant me being me, I was going to see my husband, I was going to eat my buffet. <laughs> and now I kind of regret that because I think, why was I sitting with Simon eating buffet when I could have been on the dance floor dancing to Beyonce? You know, it's you're always going to have regrets. Yeah. So one thing, going back um, a, a little bit further as well that I wanted to talk to you about, um, which I also get quite passionate about, is uh, you had a very big boy band. Uh, I was going to say <laughs> fetish there, but that's probably the wrong... It's not a fetish. No, that was the wrong word to use. Kind of. Um, so as as you were growing up, you were kind of a bit of a um, stalker of, of boy bands. Is we that used, kind we of... used to call ourselves followers. Followers. It's a nicer right. way of saying a stalker. Follower. And uh, so who, who was the, the, the main band? Who was the... Oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> so I used to love Boyzone. And it's so funny because I don't get it now. I <laughs> so you're not, re- I just you're not going to their, their 25 and a year. Mm, well, I thought about it out of nostalgia, but no. I don't know. I just don't know why. 
I loved them so much, but I was literally obsessed with Ronan Keating. But it's, it was so different back then because you had to follow them around the country to be able to know anything about them unless it was in smash hits yeah it was kind of that was the that was the only way that you could that you could do it i mean i was obsessed with boy bands as well but i was, was never one to to kind of go and follow them around i think i was always you're too, probably still in bed <laughs> yeah too lazy exactly too lazy. i was like oh i can't be bothered to go and stand at a stage door for the next couple of hours um but what was the kind of extremes that lengths that you went to 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 see Boyzone? There's like a whole. So I think nowadays, you know, when kids are stalking One Direction or whoever's big now, you know, you know where they are because of social media. And we we didn't have that, so we had networks of of friends, you know, people that you'd met through following. And I think um, mobile phones were just about in existence then, but you know, not as techy as they are now. So, you know, I think because I was living in Norwich, obviously, so I'd go down to London for a weekend because I knew that, you know, boys would be around because they'd be recording these different shows. So you'd be outside the BBC and your tech, your phone would go off and someone would be like, oh, I've just heard that Shane's flying into Heathrow sometime this morning. And literally you'd run to the tube and <laughs> do, yeah, you'd like do a massive trek to the other side of London and go to Heathrow and just pick a terminal you know, like, you know, obviously they're flying from Dublin and they usually fly Aer Lingus. So you'd have to go to the screen and work out where they were coming into. And it was so funny as well because being incredibly shy, I'd then meet them and I wouldn't know what to say to them. <laughs> so like everyone else would be really pally with them. You know, all these other girls who've been following them for years would be really pally. And I literally would just have no clue what to say. <laughs> Ronan Keating once said to me, you're really quiet. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I know. Well, at least you got to like actually like see them and speak to them. For me, it was just well, posters on walls because I was too lazy to to go and uh, go and chase them around the country. It's far more. Sad. I remember. I think once I told my mum I was in school, but actually I was in London stalking Boyzone. Sorry, mum. <laughs> <laughs> was there any other bands, or was it just mainly uh, mainly Boyzone? It was ma- it was mainly Boyzone, but you know, a lot of the nineties. I mean, in all honesty, I was doing this when I should have grown out of it a while ago. You know. <laughs> I, I, a lot of bands used to stay in the same hotel, so you'd see like you know nine one one would stroll past oh, and loved a bit of nine one one. And um, I can't, God, I can't remember who else. But I probably met all kinds of people over the years. Yeah, it's good because you made friends through it as well, didn't you? Because there was a girl at your <laughs> wedding that was just purely there because you had met through your boys own fan club. <laughs> it's so funny because I meet friends in the weirdest, some might say, most embarrassing way, and I hadn't thought before my wedding to brief people and sort of you know, say to my old friends, yeah, you know, don't tell my cool blogging friends that <laughs> we met backstage, at, you know, a 911 concert. But obviously my friends, you know, they've got big mouths. <laughs> and I realised that, you know, all these different parts of my life were coming together and I hadn't even thought about it. I was too busy planning a wedding. Oh, it was, uh, it was awesome. I just, it was I remember so... you on my wedding day, I'm sure you came up to me and you were like, um, did you use the stalk boy zone? Yeah. Like, no. Like, what? <laughs> this is fascinating. I need to know more. It's not the kind of thing you share with people. <laughs> Part of the proper boys' own fan club. Yeah, <laughs> honorary member. So, kind of one of the main things that I wanted to talk about with so every guest on the podcast is mental health and the the coping mechanisms with different um, elements in in your life. And um, with blogging, it, it it can be stressful. And um, you, you you did say that you don't have a lot of negativity, which is is fantastic. But kind of um, blogging can be stressful, uh, and also. You've said that the like the SADS, the seasonal affective disorder, 
Like, how does that how does that affect you? Because I think a lot of people say, "Oh, I've got sad because it's like dark nights and things," but it, it can actually be really debilitating for for some people. Yeah, I mean, I've always had some element of it, and it, it in the past it's always hit after Christmas. I've been prepared for it. You know, January, February. You know, people who worked with me years ago will say, "Yeah, you know, I always used to prep myself in the office and have my vitamin tablets, you know, at the ready." But this year. It just hit me out of the blue before Christmas. And usually the thought of Christmas, you know, pulls me through. But this this year it just didn't. And it was horrible. I just felt so negative and lost sort of enthusiasm for life. And it sounds so extreme and so dramatic. And it's crazy that, you know, the clocks going back can have that effect on you. But I think from the moment the clocks changed and I'm waking up in the morning into pitch black with the alarm you know rudely awakening me it just sets you up in just the worst possible way yeah definitely I just feel constantly just tired and kind of just I don't know it's just it really just drags you down the the darkness and I try you know I always try and get out my lunch hour and I always go for like a nice long walk but you know when it's really cloudy and you can't see the sun and there's no blue sky it just really does sort of it gets to you and so I think for a good two to three weeks, I was just, you know, crying for no apparent reason, feeling really fed up. And I think Simon had just had enough, basically. And he was like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I think you need to get one of those like Lumi lights. And I was just thinking, you know, it's what a waste of money. You know, they're quite expensive. And, you know, I'm, I'm quite into watching my pennies. And I was like, you know, I'm not <laughs> spending that amount of money on a light. It's ridiculous. And, you know, actually that's when a few people on Instagram were volunteering that they'd lend me their lights so I could give them a go in the end Simon was like no I'm not having this we're gonna buy you a light and a sort of a Lumi alarm clock so I got I got a Lumi light and I got a sunrise alarm clock and they are incredible they're just absolutely incredible so my sort of um alarm clock in the morning now it comes off it starts sort of gently beaming light out about half an hour before the alarm comes off and I don't think it will wake me up, but it does. It kind of really slowly wakes you up. And so by the time you're kind of awake, the room's bright. And it's just, it's so nice. Yeah. It really is so nice. And then I always make time in the morning, I will go and sit down and plug my Lumi light in and you just have to sit in front of it for half an hour. And the mornings when I don't do that are the days when I feel really down. And it's, maybe it's in my head. Maybe it's not connected, but... I don't know, I really do feel like it's made a huge, huge difference. That's really good that you can kind of have something that, even if it is a placebo effect of just sitting in front of it and that, that it makes you feel makes you feel better, then um, kind of that's, that's ideal really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the worst thing is I lost all passion for my blog and I've never, ever had that before. Yeah. So I've been writing it for years and obviously you'll have times where, you know, you're a bit like, oh God, you know, it's getting a bit much now. But, you know, I've never, ever lost my love for it. But, the you know, the last couple of months, I really just lost any love for it at all. I almost felt like giving up, yeah. which is crazy when I think about how hard I've worked on it. And I just, I just kept saying, Simon, I don't, I don't think I want to write this anymore. I don't think I can do it. And so I kind of took a step back. And, I you know, I still am limiting the amount I publish. Like, I used to occasionally, you know, I'd be posting like five times a week. Now it's more like once a week. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm trying to get more of a life balance now and try and sort of look after myself and not push myself. If I'm not feeling it, I don't want to be making myself write something that's not true. So 
yeah, I mean, that was that was the hardest bit about it, I think, was kind of, you know, blogging has always been a huge passion and my main hobby. And, you know, when you haven't got that, you're like, oh, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to know what to do because that used to be what cheered you up. And when that yeah. stops cheering you up, what do you do then? Yeah. Did you do research into um, like SAD or did you just kind of know that that's from years of, of sort of being affected by that? Is that just you knew the, the triggers that, that there were and, and things that would that would help you? Yeah, I, th- I think I just kind of worked out for myself over the years what it was. And I'm kind of, I'm trying to like identify my triggers now. And I was saying to Simon so this weekend just gone I had it quite bad and you know we were out all day having fun you know in the Northumberland countryside and I still felt really down and I think it was because I hadn't taken the time to sort of plug my light in and also I think sometimes at weekends I don't have much structure Mm -hmm. so during the week I have to get up at a certain time I have to get showered I have to get out the door whereas on a weekend you know most people live for like being spontaneous and having a lie-in well that's just not the way I work so if I don't have structure I think that seems to set me off yeah and I think with a lot of these things it's working out what your triggers are and yeah definitely you know for me I kind of I'm always going to feel better if I'm eating healthy if I'm exercising loads if I'm out in the fresh air and if I've got some kind of structure and routine and something to get up for Mm mm-hmm So, recommendations for the Northeast. Ooh. <laughs> That's a very wide question. <laughs> yeah. So, um, seeing as that is the theme of uh, theme of your blog, yes. um, what would you say would be your top three places that you absolutely love to go to for, like, a day out in, in the Northeast? Oh, well, I tend... We have yearly obsessions. I don't, I don't know where that comes from, but one year we were completely obsessed with South Shields and we were down there every weekend. And at the moment, it's Whitley Bay. And we are absolutely well I don't know about Simon I speak for both of us but I am just absolutely bonkers for it yeah so it's just my favorite place so when my grandma passed away last summer and um I took a day off work so I just was feeling really really sad and I just basically took myself down to Whitley Bay on my own it was a beautiful sunny day and I just sat on a wall on my own and just watched the sea and it was just so nice so nice it is a beautiful place and then living so close to the coast I think is such a privilege I, th- I think and kind of it's you, you take it for granted a little bit but mm. um just being able to kind of look at the ocean and, and 10 minutes down the road be at the beach and at the sea yeah. I think is, is such a such a lovely thing I think as well like I've kind of it's changed so much just in the short time I've been here and it's been so nice to see its journey like when I first moved here we would have spent all our time in Tynemouth. we never would have gone to Whitley Bay but you know, with the whole regeneration down the seafront and then Spanish City, which just looks incredible. And then there's all these amazing independent little cafes now that do fantastic brunches. Like you've got um, um, Evans Bistro, which has a really good lunch. You've got um, Kith and Kin, which does like fantastic breakfast. You've got Eldon Wolf. There's just so many amazing places for yeah. breakfast and just loads of nice... Sort of, I love the coastal walk between... You know, Whitley Bay down to Tynemouth and it's just it's just a beautiful place I love it so yeah that would probably be my top place to spend time at the moment um we spent quite a lot of last summer as well like road tripping up the Northumberland coast mm-hmm. you know we had that amazing heat wave so we tried to sort of adventure to a different place each time so we went to the Farne Islands to see the puffins and we went to Druridge Bay for the first time and 
God, there's just so many fantastic places up that coastline. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like all the way up to Bambra and it's uh, it's definitely a lovely drive up the up the coastal route. Yeah. Um, Kind of from, well, like Whitley Bay and then all the way up up the coastal route is uh, is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's another place that we spend quite a lot of time. And there's actually there's so many places I still want to go to. Like every time I think, you know, I've ticked everywhere off, like I really haven't. There's just... I think every year I try and come up with a list of things I want to do yeah. to make sure I actually do them. Because otherwise you spend your whole life saying, oh, you know, one day we should go here. Yeah. So I try really, really hard to sort of tick places off my list. So Because you, have you got your list, your your um, sort of 40 before 40 list? Yeah. Um, so how many things have you still got left on, oh, on that? I haven't checked it for a while, actually. There's definitely still some things on there. I'm pretty sure, like, go to New York's on there, and we've actually booked that. We're going there in October, so that that's going to be ticked I'm very off. Very jealous about that. <laughs> um, there's still definitely things on there. They're not even all northeast specific. So there's like yeah. going hot air balloon. That was definitely on there. But you know, we have we have ticked a few off. I think um, there were there were definitely a few northeast things that we ticked off. I can't remember off the top of my head what they all were. But yeah, when it comes to like northeast bucket list things, there's always so many more hotels I want to stay in and walks I want to do and yeah. restaurants I need to visit like it's never ending there's so much stuff to do up here it's amazing well uh thank you very much Chloe it's been um lovely chatting and I've uh, really enjoyed it for my first podcast I hope it's I've sounded all right and asked all the right questions and uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit terrifying isn't it doing oh, it was, it was doing good it I think we'll find out when we edit it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I might listen to it and be like can you come back um, <laughs> yeah. just to just do it all over again because uh, I sounded really boring <laughs> but thank you very much for uh, joining me on my very first uh, The Life Bath podcast well, thank you for uh, having me and I, th- I hope you've enjoyed it I have and, it's been uh, good yeah and uh, if anyone wants to to follow uh, Chloe, um, then she is at New Girl in Tune, and uh, if you just Google her, she comes up with all her fantastic northeast recommendations. And uh, I highly recommend if you you're thinking about a day out to to go and um, check out her blog. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Oh wow, that was so much fun. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and thank you so, so much for listening and thank you to Chloe for sharing and being such an inspiration. I think I want to be a teen again so I can just chase boy bands around the country because I just feel like I've missed out on something. And also, if you're suffering from seasonal affective disorder, Chloe has just written a fantastic blog post about how she deals with it so go and have a read of that, newgirlintune.co.uk. So all of this is still really new to me and I'm getting to grips with asking questions and talking into the mic and it's really, really scary. So thank you for bearing with me and I really do hope that you enjoyed it and thank you for your support. If you've listened all the way to this part, then let me know what you thought and you can find me on any social media platform by just searching The Life Bath. Now to close everything off, just a few thank yous. Thank you to Tom from TMH Sounds for producing and editing this podcast. He also makes a really good husband. Don't tell him I said that though because you'll get a big head. Oh, he edits this podcast. Oh, well. Also, thanks to Bradley Parsons for the music. I found Bradley on a website called Fiverr, which is a fantastic place to find freelance workers that can create music, logos, designs, everything that you can imagine for your business. So definitely check them out. Not sponsored, but I just really love the website. So if you did enjoy it, please like it and share it and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Bye.